Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink, broadcasting very close to the world's oldest boathouse on the Merrimack River in Lowell, Massachusetts. And with me all the way across the pond, broadcasting by some dreary old coastline off the Wales, is Mr. Gold, standard of ghost hunting himself, Steve Parsons. Good afternoon, Ron. I believe you're having a snowstorm. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. It's supposed to be another blizzard, which is just terrific. Yeah, great, because that means in 48 hours' time it'll be horizontal rain here. Oh, good for you. Yeah, we could do with some snow, so, but uh, you, you, you're misdirecting the jet stream our way, and oh. by the time, of course, it's crossed the Atlantic, it's turned to rain. Oh, I no that blew up in Iceland 600 years ago. But anyways, uh, just so you're listening to Ghost Chronicles National and Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. But anyways, just before we get on the air, you were telling me you were sorry, telling, showing the telly about the world's oldest, no, the mass, no America's oldest boathouse, uh, which is right by me. Yeah, we have a, we have a program uh, starring three... Uh, famous, <laughs> famous over here anyway, comedians, uh, Rory Bremner, Daro Brian, and uh, Griff Rhys Jones, a Welshman, an Englishman, and uh, an Irishman. And they have a program called Three Men in a Boat, and the series sort of travels around, and one of the series was Three Men in a Boat Go to New England, and they sail down the New England coast, ending up in New York, and they're trying to find a boat to take to the Statue of Liberty's 125th birthday party. And one of the places that they visited and they explored was uh, Portsmouth Harbour, first of all, a place I remember well. Um, and then on the, then, yeah, and, uh, and a, a, a boat trip that we shared together. And then down to uh, the... Uh, to Lowell, Lowell Boatyard on the Merrimack River, which they said was the oldest boatyard in North America. That's so special. Yeah. Hmm. But, uh, you know, you know that's... Brought back, it brought back good memories anyway. I suppose. But, you know, I, I actually uh, used to swim there when I was a kid. There used to be a bathhouse there. So there you go. The river was extremely polluted and uh, it's gotten much better now. Uh, back in the 70s, uh, when the big earth thing kicked, kicked in, and we started uh, cleaning up after ourselves. So, or was it because the Ohio River caught fire? I don't know, one or the other. Oh, I don't know, but uh, it was it brought back some good memories. So uh, it was it was a good program. 
Okay, so anyways, we have uh, an interesting character on the show today. Uh, he, uh, I'm sure, like everybody else, watches Downton Abbey, right? I've no idea. Yes, we have a great guest tonight, in keeping with the international theme of Ghost Chronicles International. Um, we've decided to cast the net back across the Irish Sea. Uh, recently, we had a um, team from the Irish Republic... So I thought it only fair to look towards Northern Ireland, which is still part of Great Britain. Um, and a team there that's certainly making waves up in the, up in the north is uh, Ghost Searches Ireland and their spokesman, lead investigator uh, and blonde bombshell <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Is is Gary Waters, and uh, of course we we love having the Irish on because it melt the the accent melts all of the ladies' hearts. So uh, particularly around the Boston area. So uh, say hi to Gary Waters. Hello, good evening. Hi, and uh, welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I apologise for my co-host who seems to have just made a popping noise and disappeared. That wasn't me. Uh, Oh, it wasn't you. Well, it wasn't me either, so there you go. That's a bit paranormal. So, Gary, um, you, do you, would you like to take this opportunity to tell uh, everybody about Ghost Searches Island, I think, is the place to start? Team Blue, as you... Uh, team Blue, as you nickname yourselves. So you better explain that as well. Well, yes. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, good evening, uh, Ron. Good evening. Good evening. Um, talk just before I start. Uh, I only live, you're talking about boatyards and things. I live about 15 miles from uh, Belfast Harbour where they, they built the fantastic uh, Titanic ship. So, uh, that great? <laughs> I don't live too far from there. But um, yes, good evening. Uh, Ghost Searches Ireland. Um, we were reformed back in uh, 2011. Um, there was myself, uh, my beautiful wife, Karen and another uh, fantastic lady called Al McKinstry. And uh, the three of us had started off coming up with certain ideas. And we, we like the theory of t- to uh, use the, the, the technical side of the investigation, but also uh, some of, some of, us, some of the, the, the people that we had brought in to the team were also spiritual. And we feel like this was, was, was quite important into our research into the paranormal. Very good. I mean, why did you start, uh, Gary? B? I mean, what got you involved in it? It's not those stupid shows, is it? Like, oh no, I, I I don't actually watch a lot of the shows. I try to to to, to veer away from all that. Um, but uh, I like myself, like a, like a lot of other people out there. Um, I had a a lot of a personal experience when I was brought up as a child. Um, my my parents had had bought a, an old house. It was about three hundred years old. It, it was down. On, in a small fishing town uh, called Donaghadee, and uh, it's a sm- it, uh, it's it's very very old town, but a very small town. Um, and when we first moved into this house, I was about nine, ten years of age, not knowing, not believing in anything, just just wanted to play football basically. Um, and when we moved into the house, a lot of strange things started to happen, um, and I, I, it, it caught my my attention from from day one when we moved into the house. And the first thing I had noticed was that um, one of the rooms that we'd walked into was very, very cold. 
um, and I couldn't understand why this was because um, there were three radiators in the room at the time and the heating was on and even when the heater's on it was, was, was very very cold so straight away being 10 years of age uh, you start getting a wee bit oh that's a bit strange um, and as weeks went on um, what we had decided to do one night was myself and, and a few friends um, we, we decided to uh, delve into something like the communication board <laughs> when my mum and dad had, had went out for the night. Um, communication board, what is that, uh, Gary? Well, it's, it's, a, it's something similar to the Ouija board, um, where you have certain letters cut out and sitting around the table. Oh. Yep, and uh, we all started into the seance. Now, the back door, if I remember rightly, was actually locked. Um, but anyway, we, we'd started the, the seance, there were six or seven of my friends, and we'd lit the candle on the table. Mm-hmm. And this was a large dining room table. And we're about five, ten minutes into the seance. And the candles, three candles on the table went out by itself. Nobody had blue on it because it was a large table. We were about four or five feet away from the candles. So we couldn't explain where the breeze had came from. Um, and the next uh, sign of breath, the, uh, the back door opened and the, our large dog had run into the house screeching. And being 10 years of age, we had all got up and we run out of the house. So that that's really where it all started from. And uh, later on, when my mum and dad was out growing up, um, I was the only one. Sometimes I would stay in the house and uh, the, the doors, there was a large gap at the bottom of the doors and I would see what looked like shadows walking past the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I, again, I couldn't I couldn't explain. So I, I would jump up out of the bed and open the door and there was, there was, there was nobody there. There was nobody ever there. Did you, um, did you so, hear anything? No, no, I didn't hear anything. Um, even walking up the stairs, it was a very creaky, you know, stir, staircase, and you would hear the, the boards creak. But uh, what I had seen was definitely shadows underneath. The, the light of the door was shining underneath, and whatever it was was blocking out the light. Um, so, again, very, very, very strange, very surreal. Uh, the experience that I had at quite a young age, I, I, to that, I still didn't understand what was going on. And from there, that's, that's where it all, it all started. I've just got uh, – it's, it's unusual, this one, but I've got to pass this one on from the, uh, from the chat room. Um, there's a compliment to, to Karen, Gary. Uh, one, of the, one of the people have obviously looked at the website and says, your wife looks absolutely gorgeous. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. She's <laughs> <laughs> sitting here with us, Nancy. <laughs> but uh, talking talk, – I, I yeah, get talk, the same comments, Steve. Pardon? I get the same comments. They, they think I'm very gorgeous as well. So, that, that, so I wouldn't take that too much of a compliment. Oh, I, 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 I'm passing on the, 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 the <laughs> comments from the chat room. But while we're talking about the, the website um, and the pictures on the website, actually, Gary, you're wearing one of the uh, uh, some sort of shoulder harness. Uh, and I know I've seen pictures of you before with a, a shoulder-mounted camera system. So... Would you? I mean, you've obviously got this tech thing fairly well um, covered. We uh, is, is 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 the technical side of it important to you and, it, and to your team? It is. It is, Steve. It's very, very important um, because we need that to gather evidence. Basically, um, yes. No, we have. We use uh, shoulder cams. And basically, what that is, you can have a, a shoulder camera locked onto your shoulder with the, the screen visor open. Um, you don't need torches on. You just you just look through the viewfinder, and you're, you can be completely hands free. 
and we would let that run from the very start of the investigation. A lot of a lot of paranormal teams switch their cameras on and off during investigation, but we find some of our best evidence is actually captured when we're not expecting it. And this, from when we arrive on location, we switch everything on till the end of the, the investigation when everything is switched off. Even when we're taking breaks, we'd always let the, our, our, our equipment run. And uh, as I say, we all seem to capture the best evidence when, when we're least expecting it. Yeah, it just reminds me of an unfortunate incident when we, we, we also use a similar system um, where the, the cameras are carried by the, by the really? team members and it's switched on at the start of the night and run constantly. However, um, we, have, uh, we, we learned very quickly that uh, during some of the breaks, uh, it's expedient to remove the cameras uh, during one unfortunate episode where one of the members decided to go to the toilet. Uh, with the camera still suspended around the neck um, and still recording. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that just brought back uh, memories of an unfortunate incident and a, and a yeah. very good lesson learned. Um, yeah, I'm, guess, I'm guessing Team Blue actually refers to the jackets because it's now, obvious. you know, I mean, most paranormal teams, and you know I like to have a go at, you know, gr- groups and their, uh, their, uh, their uniforms <laughs> and their fleeces. Um, but I, I think uniquely, um, no black, no black fleeces, and no green glowing logos. It's blue fur. Is is there a reason why it was blue, or I mean, just the uh, the color that they had at the time? Just we basically we went into shop one day. And we were form, trying to start to form the team, and and Anne, Anne McKinstry, the team, one of the team leaders, uh, the founders of the team, um, actually had spotted this jacket from afar. And uh, that's that's where it all started from, and, and a lot of people were calling us Team in Blue, so we came up with the idea, let's call ourselves Team Blue. Um, well, uh, it's certainly distinctive and different. I, like I mean, it. you don't see that normally on a on, you know on para investigations. It's the black, okay. isn't it, with the the glowing yeah. green logo. Actually, when, when we first started, we used uh, tan shirts, but uh, Maureen complained about it that we looked like UPS guys, so we changed it to blue as well so now we do blue but hey it is what it is but i think we don't have you know we don't have we don't have uniforms yeah whatever anyways you know what's amazing uh gary <laughs> is that the cameras and stuff that you guys use is it, you know that's fantastic when i first started out i mean we didn't have any of that stuff we i, I used to carry a whole pile of crap including you know, i had a a uh, a camera that used to broadcast back to the base camp but it was just something we adapted from uh you know, uh, I think it was like a, a surveillance camera or something, but it had a battery pack and everything. And it's just amazing how much the technology has advanced uh, in, in the last few years in, in the development of uh, ghost hunting equipment. And it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I say, the, the shoulder cams are very, very handy because it's, it's, it's looking the direction that you're looking. So if you, if you see something um, in front of you and, you and you've actually missed it, then hopefully 99% of the time your camera on your shoulder is going to capture what you've just missed. So, uh, yep, definitely. We, we have a, a full army of, of certain pieces of equipment from from uh, millimeters with built-in shadow detector devices. I can work off uh, 10 pods um, 75 feet away and anything that breaks that shadow within the 75 foot range. Triggers triggers alarm systems on the on the trifield meters and um, we're we're blessed with what we we'll have. We're very very lucky to have the equipment that we we'll have. That's all cool stuff. Uh, what um what what would you say is your well? Let, I'm going to give you two questions. Uh, first of all, your 
best piece of equipment? And secondly, your wish list piece of equipment? Mm. And why? Good question. Um, I would say, well, personally, myself basically would be <laughs> the best piece of equipment um, because that, that's the most important thing. Everybody wants to experience it for themselves. Um, and sometimes when we're, we're in certain locations, we like to not always concentrate on, on equipment. Um, sometimes we'll even switch equipment off and just go in and, and try to, to delve into the environment to try to, to sense, is there anything there? Um, but on the equipment side of things, um, I know you're not a big fan of it, Steve, and I've heard you talking about it in the past. And should I say the <laughs> Frank's box? <laughs> um, but uh, we've, we've experienced, we have exper- uh, experimented with this piece of equipment now for about six years. Um, there are certain things that you can do to actually, actually fil- filter out contamination. Um, and when we first started experimenting with it, we, we, we couldn't understand what, what we were getting. Now, pareidolia, the sound where you think you're hearing something, and it actually turns out to be something else. But uh, this, this got our attention from day one when we started using this. Um, and then when it came down the, the, the technology then that you can actually filter about 99% of uh, contamination coming through. Um, and then we started um, doing it in sales. Um, and we seem to get a lot, a lot more response from using sounds. Having it controlled to us on investigations is very, very important. A lot of teams that would go in would just sit around the table, switch on this, the, the Frank's box, or it's also known as a ghost box, and ask questions. We, we, don't, we don't do it like that. We like to, 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 to try to get as much controlled um, environment as possible. Um, we also use uh, condenser microphones for audio. Um, we stay away from the mobile um, voice recorders like the Zooms, the Olympuses, um, and it, it seems to, to record a lot clearer because, again, when you're sitting around, you have five or six people sitting around the table asking questions. When two or three people come out with a different, uh, you ask a question and, and, and I think they hear a different response. When two or three people say different, oh, I thought it said this and I thought it said that, that to us is pareidolia. We have to be 100% certain when we ask a question, that the answer that we get is 100% clear, and that does is very, very important. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't, I, I, just to clarify, I wouldn't actually say that I'm not a fan of the Frank's box. I'm more, <laughs> I have an issue with the methods that some people yeah. use the Frank's box for. Um, yeah. I say EVP is something that obviously does intrigue me. Yeah. Um, but now, part two of the question uh, uh-huh. your wish list piece of equipment. Um, wish list. Um, yeah, you're going to win the lottery. What would you buy? What would I buy? A thermal imager. A lot of people, I mean, they always go on about the thermal imaging camera. I personally don't like it. The reason is it's open for a lot of, of, of reflection. Um, 99% of what you think is paranormal is actually reflection off a wall. Um, or picks up a lot of body heat or anything at all. It's not really there's not really anything out there at the minute that is scientifically proven to be a ghost hunting piece of equipment. Um, so I do like I do I do like the, the, the technology of condenser microphones. Um, the reason is you can actually filter <coughs> these the, these pieces of equipment. Um, where a lot of paranormal teams were were using maybe fifty or sixty foot of cable to the microphone. And what we find is by doing this would act as an antennae where a lot of it would pick up a lot of outside interference, uh, like mm-hmm. taxis and things. 
and uh, on on playback on recordings, they thought they were getting disembodied or EVPs coming down, but it actually it was it was taxis. So we we had worked out a device for actually filtering the um, the microphone lead, will cut out a lot of this interference. Uh, we have been experimenting with this now for the last two or three years with with some amazing results, I have to say. So I would. It, I would I would go down the line of maybe um, something's more state of the art of the condenser side of microphones. Right. Okay. Good. Good answers. Um, I'm just waiting for Ron to. No. I normally jumps. You know, I think you normally jump in about this point. So I was just giving you a. I was just giving you a pause then to leap in. But you also talked about, and I think it's important because um, that we address the other side of, of investigations because we've, we've sort of talked about the technology, but you also have uh, sensitives. And, of course, Northern Ireland has a, quite a long history. Um, for those who may not know, there was a very famous psychic circle, seance circle, based in Belfast uh, in a, just before the, the early days of World War I called the Golliger Circle, which was investigated extensively by the Society for Psychical Research. Um, and uh, I think W.J. Crawford, the investigator, who was an engineer uh, from Belfast, uh, was actually quite convinced uh, of some of the manifestations that the, the Golliger family were producing. And he, he, he was using scales and, uh, and other experiments in order to try and ascertain whether there was any mass or weight to these ectoplasmic rods that the the, the, the family were claiming were manipulating objects during the seances, so Northern Ireland has a long history of spiritual uh, spiritual uh, and spiritualism, um, and I think you do take along uh, sensitives and mediums as well, don't you, Gary? Um, no, we we don't particularly work with with a lot of mediums. Oh. Uh, not, oh, not I thought that, you did. Sorry. No, no, not, not that there's anything wrong with it. Um, it's just we've worked with maybe we worked with one recently, actually, um, a gentleman from the states, um, that he had came in on investigation with us to the famous Crumlin Road Jail in Belfast, um, and we thought we thought with some of the stuff that he came up with was was quite interesting because it's not hard. It's very very hard to find some of the evidence that they had said on the night. So we actually had went and we've done our research into some of the things that he had said. So we were quite impressed with that. Uh, but with, we find with mediums that on, on certain cases that when they're there, they, they, they pick up on a lot of things, a lot of, you know, like ourselves. We always like to try to concentrate on what we find rather than rely on, on what, what a medium would find. I, I, I thought that, um, that, you, that you had sort of used psychics uh, generally as part of the investigation process. But it's actually more interesting that you don't and that you have periodically used them. Do you uh, put in, in, in progress any sort of protocol when you're working with a medium? Um, you know, do, you, do you handle the information that they give you any differently or, or deal with them any differently? No, we take everything on board, what they say. Um, again, everything is recorded in what they say. And anything... You, we, we never, if a medium starts asking us questions, we, we don't answer it. <laughs> we like to stay quiet uh, and, and, and rely on what they find rather than on what we say to them. Um, so, uh, no, we like, we, like, we like to concentrate on our own findings. Not, as I say, not that there's anything wrong with media. There is some fantastic mediums out there, I'm sure. But as I say, we like to concentrate on our own findings, on our own, our own research. 
Ron, you, you do regularly work with uh, Maureen and Medium on investigations, don't you? Yes, I do. Well, you, I'm, do you, I'm, do you I'm, find that helpful as part of the investigation process? What's that? I say, do you find that a hel- a helpful as part of the investigation process? Because well, I know you're also very technically minded too, aren't you? Well, the, the, the deal is, when I started doing this like 100 years ago, is, is that no, <laughs> no team used medium. It was actually looked on upon because everybody was hooty tooty. We're all technical. We're all equipment-wise. And uh, I didn't even believe in mediums. I thought they were all charlatans. But when I ran into Maureen and she offered her services, I thought about it and there was really nothing to lose. I just looked at it as another tool in my toolboxes. If she gave me information and I could verify the information, all the better. Uh, but it's certainly, like I said, just another tool in the toolbox. And uh, uh, I took a lot of crap for uh, using the medium, but I really didn't care. Well, but I, I, I mean, I, I think it's got to be a balanced approach, hasn't it? I think you have to... Uh... You know, we're, we're dealing with a subjective experience, and part of that process is that people are claiming uh, that you know there is a spiritual involvement in in ghost research. And so, I think it, as objective researchers, it's something that we do have to take on board and address. That's the part that everybody overlooks. You know, it is a spiritual investigation when you really get down to it, because that's what you're looking for. And and the just the you know, why not use any methods? Even I mean, we can't even. We're not even sure what we're investigating because we don't know what is there. We believe that it's a spirit, the, the essence of a deceased person. But, we, I mean, we don't know that 100%. And we'll probably never prove it unless, uh, you know, a lot of people. And, you know, a lot of people say, um, okay, they describe even the, even mediums will describe, well, electrical energy and so forth. But we don't even know that uh, that's what we're really dealing with or even trying to measure. It it's, could be some type of energy that we don't even know exists yet. Well, that's a part, I mean, I, I thought for one dreadful minute there when you started talking about all, all any and all methods that you're going to throw the K2 at me, but uh, I, I don't want to start another long-winded question because I'm very you aware know, that we're about you, to hit the know, outbreak. So. The K2 is an interesting thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. If you want to wind Ron up, throw the K2 at him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the K2 is cool. Oh, I mean, I... It, it's a thing. But you know what? I actually looked at a, a simple method of the K2 and, and took out a lot of the crap that uh, the K2 gets uh, uh, blamed for, you know, in uh, interference. And I, I took a three-light uh, candelabra uh, candles and very simply we lit the candles and used it the same as the K2 as a communication device and and you know if there is a spirit here can you uh, answer our questions please move two of the candles for yes and one of the candles for no and you know what it's basically your basic K2 without electronic gadgetry Therefore, it's not a K2 because the K2 meter is entirely an electromagnetic and a magnetometer. Oh, it's, it's, so, a, it's named after me. No, oh, because a, can, a candle flame won't react to electromagnetism, so it's entirely different. Come on. What, what are you saying? No, no, no. A K2, colic meter. Colic 2 meter. See, that's sort of oh, the colic, t- uh, that particular meter. I see. Sorry, we're just waffling while the ad break runs in. So I know. we don't have any long questions. Can we talk to our guests, please? <laughs> I have to take a break because I'm here with you. So, 
Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicle <laughs> International right here on Tojanet Parex Ghost Channel and Beyond with uh, the guy Steve Parson and myself and a special guest, Gary E. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so, Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And cemetery tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. gentle beating of Ron Kolek's heart signals us back into part two of Ghost Chronicles International. You're listening to us, hopefully live on Togginet, Para-X, the Ghost Channel, or maybe on the podcast if you're one of the people who has a real job and can't be bothered spending their time listening to us waffling away on the radio. Tonight's guest, uh, in keeping with the international theme, is Gary Waters from Ghost Searches Ireland, or Ghost Searches Ireland in my worst Irish accent. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. It was terrible, wasn't it? I've just realised, actually, there's a spelling mistake on your website, Gary. Oh, is there? Yeah, Gary Waters, GSI Spoxman. Oh, right. <laughs> anyway. I'll take, well, I'll take, I'll take note of that. <laughs> 
<laughs> proves I'm paying attention. Uh, welcome back, Gary. And before the bre- before the break, as we were trying to, uh, we were talking briefly about equipment and and uh, and also dealing with mediums. But there's a question in the chat room which brings me nicely, a nice segue into talking about locations. Uh, well, the question well, actually. Wait a what, minute. What? 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 what, what? Before you get into that, there was a question before that question from Gail. Is that? What was Gary's best EVP? And for those who do not know, EVP stands for uh, Electronic Voice Phenomena. Uh, so, Gary, uh, you want to answer Gail's question before uh, Steve takes you on another journey? I missed that one. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not I was too busy all. looking for spelling mistakes on the website. Well, we'll keep firing away. You let me know and I'll write some <laughs> <laughs> Do you call me Gary or do you call me the Blonde Bombshell? <laughs> ah. <laughs> Here after, hearing, hearing after you will always be called the blonde bombshell now by your team <laughs> yes i have to agree um best evp i would have to say was uh back in uh two years ago back in uh 2012 um we were conducting an investigation down at uh Marquee castle um where we had set up several pieces of scientific equipment down or the technical equipment down in the lower levels of, of, of the, the cellars. Um, and we were using the condenser microphones, cameras, voice recorders, everything that you can imagine we had set up down there. Um, and, and two of the investigators were down there. And there was a specific question that was asked um, to my wife, something like, um, can, can you see something over there or come over here? And we picked up, um, it sounded like a little girl's voice that said, oh, please. Now, what made, that, what made that very fascinating for us was um, that she was captured on all the, the, the audio and the cameras, everything that we had down there. She had came through on every piece of electronic equipment that we had down there. And that made it for me uh, very fascinating. The fact that we'd captured her on so many, never mind one or two, but on several. Um, and we found out the next day that a little girl apparently had fell uh, from the top of the, of, of the castle, and when when she, obviously when she hit the ground, she 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 was killed outright, and we didn't know that till the next day um, that there was a little girl that was down there, um, and maybe that was her saying, "Oh please," so that would be my best EVP. So you you picked a, a sore subject for me because if it was picked up on all the equipment, then it really doesn't meet the true definition of uh, a classic definition of an EVP. That was more being an AVP, an audio uh, uh, voice phenomena, where it's it's picked up on a lot of equipment. Because uh, okay. a true EVP is manifestation, which means uh, it, the spirit manipulates the white noise on a recorder and the key that has a recorder. So, What if it manipulates it on all recorders simultaneously? Well, that hasn't been proven yet. There's more research on the other way than there is on that way. I'm not saying that it couldn't happen, but... Uh, well, if we accept that it can do one, it can do them all simultaneously, surely. And anyway, I've told you before, AVP is sound. You don't need a clever, we don't need a clever definition for something that already has one. No, 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 that's a clever definition. That's, that's uh, my definition, so... Anyway, let's dra- let's drag Ron away from EVPs before we all and back onto locations. Locations, <laughs> yeah. No, but as I say, that that for me was, was one of the best ones anyway. Yeah, I mean that's wicked cool. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, I, I'm with you, Gary. It's an EVP, unless yeah. unless unless <laughs> one of the team heard it also, in which case it would be sound. That's right. No, no, nobody heard it down there at the time until we played no. it. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyways, that's the European version. So we're moving right along. <laughs> yeah, we invent we invented it, Ron. You make um, up. Yeah. EVP yeah, is, is, is a European invention, so uh, yeah. Oh really? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so there right. you go. Um, can we just? I say the next question was about locations, and I, I will deal with the question. But it does segue very nicely into uh, talking about locations because your team um, and I, I, I'm sure our American listeners will be familiar with the the history um, of the, the Irish Republic, North South. Um, and some of the locations you've been visiting, uh, particularly the uh, the Queen Street Police Station and notably uh, Crumlin Road Jail, do you find that the, the, the I guess raw nerves could be touched? So do you treat these differently from an ethical point of view? Yes, we do. We do because of the sensitivity of the locations. We uh-huh. have to be very careful with with what we find. Um, so yes, it's, it can be very very sensitive sometimes. Um, with with Crumlin Road Jail, uh, there was a lot of children that, that that died in there as well. So if we pick up any names of or anything um, that we capture, we we just don't play it. The fact is, mm-hmm. we don't want to, to 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 bring up the past that might upset the people. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, Queen Street as well. Um, there was a lot of bad things that went on in there, and it was pr- apparently one of the most bombed police stations in Europe, which we didn't know until recently. So. Um, so yeah, we some some of the locations that we go into, we have to be very sensitive. Yeah. Did, did did that give you any? Um, I, I guess you know, was, was there any hesitation when these locations became available because of the history of the troubles associated with the locations themselves? Yes, we some. I mean, Queen Street alone, um, with the history of Belfast and things, we went and um, with, with when we we go into locations. I always say to people, we don't look for ghosts or, or spirits. We look for answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with some of the stuff that we get, as I say, there, there, there was one particular night we'd, we'd done a, a public event and one something had came through, a, a particular device that we were using. And she, she got this lady got quite upset because she thought it, it said her father's name. So mm-hmm. And apparently this person had been um, something to do, to, to do with the, the Queen Street. So... Yes, from the from the from what we find, we have to be sensitive. So, and, and with the public as well. So, it's it's a thing that we're very wary of. We have to be very very careful of as well. Mm-hmm. I just to come back to the question now. Um, it's uh, from Spook in the chat room is asking about how much research do you do uh, on each location before going. We don't like to, to concentrate on too much of the research until afterwards to what we find because that can sort of knock you off track. Um, like, say, for instance, there, there's been reports of, say, one or two seconds of, 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 of a gentleman that walks through a, a particular wall. Um, we, we, we always like to go in open-minded um, and, and, and find that for ourselves rather than have to rely on what other reports that are coming out and of the history of the location as well. I presume that some research is included. Uh, uh, is this post then investigation phase? It is, yes. It is. What what sort of? Um, I, I was, I'm just trying to answer the question. Um, what sort of research would that be? Would that be going back through historical documents, records, archives? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we find out how old the, the, the building is, what it was built on, what was there uh-huh. originally before the building. Um, some, but we don't like to delve too much into that. Um, because, as I say, we like to find out what what 
what research we can find out ourselves and then we will go back and then look into the research of mm-hmm. the locations and then just correspond with our findings does it does it does it do we have that connection right so it's location research is is post investigation process exactly. rather than prior to uh-huh yes it is indeed it is ron do you do similar uh, location investigation prior to or is it as part of or after I know the least amount about the investigation uh, i mean about the, the location as possible before i go in mm-hmm. however that being said when we do get there i usually take whoever is most knowledgeable about the place uh, whoever let us in uh to actually give us the locations where uh some activity has occurred according to them and not necessarily what activity but where activity is curved. And, and the, the primary reason for that is in some locations extremely large and you're only got infinite equipment. I mean, you don't have infinite equipment, so you uh, have finite equipment. So you, you try to, you know, key in on the spots where activity has been reported. So yeah, yeah the hot spots. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. But, you, you know, Gary, and I, I was thinking about this when, when you were talking, you were talking a little bit about the sensitivity of the, 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 well, I don't know what you call it, the, the revolution, whatever. But anyways, um, Ireland to Americans is, is always a very uh, kind of like a spiritual place, a very uh, elemental place with, with, with all types of, of spirits. You know, I mean, we, we think about the, uh, uh, you know, the Banshees, the, the uh, oh, God, there's so many different ones, that, you know, leprechauns, all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. when you... When, well, I know it's kind of silly, but when you go on investigations, do you do you pick up like any type of energy or, or anything that you you know it, it doesn't fit in the, the quite the deceased human realm? Is it is it something else? I personally haven't know, but there are certain team members that aren't mediums, but you know they're quite they're quite open. Um, where you know I think everybody has a certain ability where. If you feel that the hairs go up in the back of your neck, um, that's a thing called flight or fright. That's your body mechanism kicking in. Um, it's telling you that there's something going on. Um, but uh, the with, with, I've been to some locations myself where I've walked in, and I have had the hairs go up in the back of my neck, and I do feel things. Um, not that I'm a medium or anything, but um, I, I always go by my instincts because normally when I, I feel this, Whatever it is, something would normally happen. So I always go by every everyone that that does investigations should always go by their own instincts. Definitely. I think even Steve would agree with that. I certainly wouldn't disagree with it, because yeah. I mean, at the at the end of the day, we are there to uh, try to objectify a human experience to try and understand why it is that people say that they have experiences that they see apparitions that they hear sounds that they smell smells um now (laughs) they may not be real they may actually be a psychological phenomena but Mm -hmm. nonetheless you know we still have to take that on board um and so yeah absolutely yeah i mean there was there was one location that we went to down down in dublin last year um where my wife had went into a a building and uh, she felt quite uncomfortable and then about 10 minutes being in that building, um, she, she had uh, very three deep scratches on her leg. My, my, my wife hasn't got long nails, so we couldn't explain where these scratches come from. Um, and, and that just happened before she had actually picked up on the environment. So what that was, what we have no idea 
what that was. And also that has happened to me also in a castle um, where I've got scratched. Um, and again, I have no nails. So again, you always go by your instincts. It's very, very important, I think, before you go into location. And if you pick up anything, if, you, if you're picking up on bad vibes on the building, then there's always go by your instincts. That's what I would say. Yeah. The, uh, sorry, somebody's just asking about leprechauns. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess, <laughs> I, I guess we should ask um, the the Irish fella <laughs> uh, to tell us about leprechauns very briefly, because yeah. the, the, there's clearly some people who don't under, don't know what a leprechaun is. Well, the only way I see a leprechaun is I had a few pints of Guinness, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or in any gift shop in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Leprechauns are, are they're, people think they're, they're, it's, it's, they're seen at the end of a rainbow um, and, and connected with their little pots of gold and the hide in the bottom of their garden. Um, but it's a legend that, that's seeped down through the years in, in Irish history. And it's something that I, would, I, I wouldn't disbelieve in, but for me, seen as believing. So I particularly don't believe in leprechauns. Um, but as I say, if I had six or seven pints of Guinness in me, then that could change. <laughs> There's, yeah, there's I, actually, I, I know a very skeptical person who's afraid of unicorns. So I mean, that's, that's yeah, a, terrifying things, unicorns. But um, I mean, there, there are, you know, there there are so many mediums, especially that believe there there are other. Uh, actually, other they're even scarier than unicorns. Other entities that <laughs> that exist, and uh, so that's why I mean, you know, we you island has that that that. Uh, reputation about it with uh, that type of thing so i was just curious that during your investigation if you did come up with anything that wasn't quite uh you know that you felt was not quite human that's that's where i was going with yeah. that yeah well yeah the, the as i say the castle that i investigated where i got scratched um i don't know what that was whether it was something sinister or not i have no idea I have no idea but it was it was at the time for me very very strange for that to happen to me so mm-hmm. I have it's one interesting, other... and I, I like talking to Irish investigators because over here in West Wales, we're only 35 miles across the water, and our folklore is, uh, and indeed many of our, our sort of older haunting tales are very similar to one another. Um, when I've been over in Ireland, um, I'm fortunate, I do get to go over there quite a lot. Um, I, I'm struck by the similarity of uh, our mythology and folklore and I guess, you know, it, it, it's almost a shared ancestry, although we're, we're separate countries. We do have a shared ancestry because uh, we're only separated by a very narrow bit of water. That's right. Yes, I, I totally agree with you, Steve. Um, and as I say, for us, um, we always we, we always love to, we always, being brought up, you always love the stories of the leprechauns, the, the, the fairies, the fae, um, and it's something in the banshee, and it's, it's something that, uh, my parents used to tell me as a young child, and it's something that I, I always wanted to believe in. Um, maybe one day I will see something that will convince me. Um, but it, to me, at the moment, it's, it's a beautiful story to tell my kids. Yeah. Ron, do, do, you have, do you have similar sort of mythology? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I was just wondering, because... Yeah, America has its own own folk laws. I mean, we have so many different ones, like the Pukwudgies here in New England, uh, the Jersey Devil, the uh, you know the Koopa Chava there. This, I mean, it's trillions of different cryptos and other non-human 
uh, you know, Bigfoot in itself. I mean, we don't know what Bigfoot is, to be honest with you. But uh, anyways, going back to uh, something you talked about, and it, it's kind of been like bugging me since you, you mentioned it, Gary. And, and this was the, the camera that you wear. I mean, if, and you said you keep it running the whole time. Do you, yep. do you seriously and, and honestly go through all that footage? Yes, I do indeed. Yes, uh, it wouldn't matter if we had uh, several pieces of equipment running. Um, it, would, it only takes out one second to miss something that could be the best bit of evidence that you could have caught. So that's very, very important for all our investigators to go from the start to the very end, whether it's audio or, or video. Very, very important. So you, Ron, I was going to say, if I could just jump in now, I can give you a, a very useful tip that was given to us by a forensic video analyst mm -hmm. um, who and something that we found incredibly useful particularly when looking for small changes uh, is to play the video at double speed um it, really? it's a it saves time and b small changes become um more magnified and are more easy are easier to observe uh, if the video is playing double speed than if it's playing at normal speed you lose the audio on it though you lose the audio but then it's a video isn't it it doesn't work with audio, by the way. No, I know. That's what I was saying. So yeah. anybody playing the podcast at twice the you speed, you're not going to get the, the audio. Benefit. So you still, I don't know what you're gaining by that. No, well, I, I'm just saying in terms of video uh, watching, because what you're looking for in, in terms of video is you're looking for anomalies. images, image right. anomalies, yeah. um, rather than a, a, a sound anomalies um, specifically. So uh, it's a tip that might be worth passing on. Right? It doesn't work on the podcast, as I said. You can't get through the podcast twice as fast and pick up the same information. You have to listen to the whole hour. No, actually, you can you can put the podcast on while you're sleeping under your pillow, and then you'll light <laughs> under in the morning. So there you go. You get you'll get to know about Gary's beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> We've got another question. Um, okay. A game from Spook who who. It's coming back to this location. Um, in terms of uh, going to locations um, where you're talking about being scratched earlier, yeah. um, would it not? This is from the chat room. Would it not have been wise to have done your research prior to going, uh, so that when the scratches occurred, uh, no. you might have been sort of forewarned? Well, this was a location that we had been to on, on maybe twenty occasions. Um, so I, I, I've known the history between this particular castle um, that, that we have never actually researched before, but it was one of the first castles that myself and my wife had visited uh, about several years ago, and we knew the history of this particular castle, so we didn't know the ins and outs of it. Um, and there was reports of, uh, of a particular gentleman that wasn't very nice. So, um, yes, on that, on that particular castle, we did know the history of it. Right. Uh, um, so, yes, sometimes when we're visiting, rather than investigating, we do know the history of, of the location. Yeah. Well, doesn't that, can't that influence you though? I mean, you, you know, I, I to me it would I would rather not know. So, for instance, if you did have those scratches, and then automatically you would assume that it was that, and it's it's what we call in in the U.S. Uh, the famous ghost uh, theory is that if you know someone has died in a house or a, or someone's famous, especially, then it must be the one that's haunting it. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's why I don't like to know the information till afterwards, anyways. 
Yeah, well, I, I suppose it could have been anybody, really, um, whether it's been from the spiritual side or, or something else that, that scratched me. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but um, but it's, it, I've seen it happen to myself and my wife, and I know other people that it's happened to. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange, very, very strange phenomenon. So it is, mm-hmm. that's what I would say. Um, but going back to the video footage, um, what we would normally do is, as Steve had mentioned, we would let it run at normal speed. Um, and if we, it, it only takes that one second. You could sit for, for 20 hours and go over film footage and maybe capture maybe three seconds of unbelievable capture of a, of a, a possible operation. So by fast-forwarding it, you could, miss, it you could miss a special piece of, of, of capture. Um, and then we would slow that particular footage down um, frame by frame. And we have done that in the past and we have caught some, some unbelievable whatever it was that we captured. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not saying it's a ghost, but we have captured, that does look like images of, of people walking into rooms and things, yeah. In terms of, uh, we're talking about, so long, we've gone back to the technical stuff. Now, you've worked very closely with um, the technical guy from Ghost Hunters International, haven't you, Barry Fitzgerald, um, yeah. who's, so I guess, cited as one of the, the, the champions, possibly even uh, claim to be the creator of full spectrum video, um, has that been a fruitful uh, cooperation? Have you, uh, did the team benefit from you know working alongside? Because uh, I, I, when when I was at Paracon in Dublin, Gary was demonstrating the full spectrum uh, f- uh, photography and the camera that he was using on GHI. Um, so working with him has that been. It has because um, with with Barry and with some other investigators that we've worked with that has over 20 years of experience, um, for us anyway, it's it's very, very important because we learn a lot from them. Uh, We we do take that on board um, and we we come up with our own ideas as well. And it gives us that that different variety to work with. So from the spectrum side of things down to the audio side, yeah, yeah, we've learned quite a lot from from it very experienced investigators that have been doing it for, for, for over 20 years. Have you, have you looked at full spectrum photography and video? Uh, uh, myself, um, not really, no. no. We would just use the normal uh, net, uh, surveillance CCTV cameras, um, night vision cameras with, with Sony IR lights. Um, right. we've, we have captured some amazing evidence. And we don't like the, if, if you can capture something that's good, why change it? Uh-huh. You know, so that's our theory. Ron? Nothing. I'm just listening. I think. That's... Oh, I thought you. I thought you. I thought you'd spoke just just towards the end of it. Is no, no. I, I just. Uh, you know. I, I. I kind of agree a lot with Gary. Says actually. Uh, um, so what, one of the things I'm interested in. I mean, you know, Ireland. You you've got uh, you know uh, use of many really cool locations. Uh, you do like mundane locations as well. I mean. Just everyday stuff. We do. We, we do a lot of private cases. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we get more enjoyment out of, out of that because if we can help one family in a year, that makes it worthwhile what we do. Um, it's, it's very, very important. Um, there's a lot of families that we've helped. Hello? Don't worry <laughs> about that. <laughs> it's a doorbell pizzas from the dead. But, you, you know, you said something interesting. You help families. How do you help? That's always been used by so many groups, and and I've always been curious. How how do you help a family, Gary? 
Well, there was one case that we had done two years ago in Belfast where the lady of the house was actually had said that she, um, she during the night she had like a night terror experience where she felt that she was being violently raped when she was sleeping. Um, I'm down to the fact that uh, it was all centered around, um, believe it or not, a rocking chair that was in the attic because she thought there was an, an attachment to this particular rocking chair that was brought into her house. So on the investigation, on arriving on the investigation, we got the report from the family of what was going on. It was a small, a small house, uh, one up, one down. Um, and just before the cameras had switched on, um, there was a small metal car sitting on the armchair um, in the living room, a little toy car. And myself and two other investigators witnessed it fly up off, off, off the armchair and hit the window with force to where almost, it almost smashed the window. Um, and... Again, this this always seems to happen when you're least expecting, expecting it. So then with this to the investigation, um, we'd moved up into the attic where the rocking chair was. And up there we'd done a, a, a couple of vigils and we'd caught some strange light anomalies around the rocking chair. Now when I say anomalies, these weren't circles. These were, these were um, almost manifest in the like a shape of an arm which we thought quite strange. Now, these weren't insects because usually when you slow an insect down of, an, of, of a so-called orb, you can actually see a little tiny dot in the middle of that circle. And there straight away, you know that as an insect. Um, and also, you can, if you slow it down as well, you can see the flutter of, of an insect. So straight away, when we're reviewing the footage, we knew that what this was coming off this rock and sure wasn't an insect. Um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a moisture. It wasn't anything natural. So, what we decided to do, with the permission of the family, was to remove the rocking chair from the house and burn the rocking chair. Oh, jeez! Um, so, once we burnt the rocking chair, um, believe it or not, two years further down the line, this family never experienced any paranormal phenomenon. Okay, Gary, sure. can you quickly give out your group's website? I can. Yes, it's uh, the group uh, website is www ghostsearchersireland.com um, and we also have two Facebook pages it's uh, Ghost Searches Ireland and uh, also Ghost Searches Ireland uh, Haunted Ireland now say right, thank you Gary <laughs> thank you Gary so it's time to wrap so, it up yep, lovely to see you guys <laughs> from ghoulies to ghosties long leggedy beasties and things that go bump in the night deliver us Good Lord.